today's message, I would like to entitle it, we're not in Acts, <laughs> we're in Luke, chapter 4. All right. Today I want to talk about when you don't like what God is doing. When you don't like what God is doing. I know that off the top you be thinking to yourself, who don't like what God is doing? That somehow it don't seem that I, as a believer of the infinite, eternal, everlasting, providential, sovereign, these are all synonyms, <laughs> aspect of God, <laughs> character and nature of God would ever disagree with what God is doing. It would seem oxymoronic for me as a believer to somehow not find my heart perfectly in line with what God is doing, that I should see it, see his hand on it, and be in perfect agreement and long for the day that is his to come. That is not true. Quite often, we are unhappy with what God is doing. We don't like his methods, his means, his timing, his declarations, his commands. They could seem off-putting. They could seem unbeneficial, not practical. Hello, somebody. Sometimes they can even seem downright mean, unloving. Hello? Sporadic. But nevertheless, how it may seem, we all can attest that it is what he is doing. And we say things like, I just don't like it. Not liking what God is doing shows up in a variety of ways depending upon your personality. I wish everyone displayed that you don't like what God is doing the same way, because that way I don't have to wrestle with you, you know, in different ways. You understand? Like this person, I got to hit you at the belt. You know, this person, I can hit you below the belt. This person, I got to go ahead and just kind of tap you on your shoulder. You understand? Because everybody, so I'm over here trying to figure out what is this that you're doing? Is this a, what do you, hey, how about this? Hey, what's going on? What did this message mean? Why'd you say it like that? It seems to me, I can't really prove it, but you might have something going on on the inside. I don't even know what that is. Are you mad at me? Are you mad at God? Are you mad at the world? Are you mad at your life? Are you mad at your kids? Are you mad at your mama, your daddy? What is you mad at? It seemed to me that somebody has done you wrong. Hello? And I'm just trying to figure out who do you feel has done you wrong? Only to come to conclusions that you are absolutely 100% mad at God. You ain't even mad at what he did. You are mad at what he is doing. Oh, y'all don't want to help me today. You ain't mad at something that you got to get over, like the passing of a loved one. You're not mad at something that happened, like being fired from a job. You are currently agitated because you know right where you sit is completely uncomfortable, and you know for a fact that it has God's hand written all over it, so you don't even like what he is doing. Not what he did. You don't like what he is currently doing. And I'm over here trying to figure out where is all of this tension coming from? Like all I said was, hello. <laughs> and sometimes I didn't even say hello. You just fired it off at me via text message. And I'm thinking to myself, who, who, you, who you talking to? Think I can't tell what these passive aggressive words mean? 
these furthermores and thuses, hello, these howevers, now, you don't give me no furthermores. You, you get a pastor, furthermore, it's pretty much like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you trying to get professional all of a sudden. You know, you trying to get prof- trying to get professional, like I'm trying to make sure I say these things in order. Oh, why well, you got to make sure you say it in order? What's going on behind there? That's pretty much what you're telling me. There's something going on behind this. Hello? So you got to dress it up. So you don't cross the line. But my question is, why are you so close to the line? You trying to make sure you say it in a way that you don't cross the line. Baby, I'm past that. I'm trying to figure out why you so close to the line in the first place. What has pushed you to the edge of needing to be careful in how you say something? Hello? Hello? It's a good question. Only to come to the realization, you ain't mad at me. You ain't mad at the church. You ain't even mad at the people. More than likely, you're probably not even mad at the person who offended you. You are mad at the idea that God has allowed this to happen. Hello? That he just said, all right, this, you can take this. Oh, me? Sweet little old me? When all I'm trying to do is just be a good parent. I'm just trying to be a good church member. I'm just trying to serve the Lord with all my heart. I'm just trying. How are you going to let this happen to me? Am I in the living room? But somebody has to call out your aggression. Because if not, you will pretend like it doesn't exist. That somehow this is reasonable. And then this develops a pattern that you feel like it is normal for individuals who are called by God and love God to consistently be in opposition regarding what he is doing. That you feel like the fight is with you and God. And I watch you grow. And how much you resist the things of God to the point that some of you have spent the majority of your career here resisting the things of God. I don't think that was the plan of salvation. Majority of your drama, majority of your heartache, majority of your pain is resisting the things of God. Constantly wrestling with him, knowing that he's going to win, but you always leave with a messed up hip. Hello? Some change has happened to you that will leave you marked for life. When I try to intervene and say, hey, you might want to check how you view God. You don't listen. You start participating in behaviors that are not revocable, or I should say irrevocable. Things that will last to the day you go home to see Jesus. Words you can't take back. Actions that have consequences. Hello, somebody. Friendships or relationships broken. Bridges burned. Oh, y'all don't want to help me today. 
hello, perspective that people had of you now changes because of your, your, your characterizations and how you display yourself. Let's look at Luke chapter 4. <laughs> Luke chapter 4. Verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as uh, his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which, he, which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was great, a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was clean except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Somebody's mad. Somebody is mad at God himself. Someone has heard something that does nothing more than antagonize their already angry spirit. I do. I love this because sometimes people think that when they show me that they're angry, that I will calm down and minister to them in their anger. But I don't. When you show me that you are angry, I level up even more. I say the thing that you really wish I wouldn't say. I show you the truth. Oh, so you want to be angry about this level of truth. I was just trying to give you a little bit, but now that you want to be angry, I can give you something to cry about, and I just go ahead and reveal the whole truth. Oh. You gonna say all of that? See, when I tried to give you a little bit at a time, that made you angry. And since you're displaying your anger to me, I just feel like, what I got to lose? You already not playing fair. So let me go ahead and rid myself of this assignment. You can have it all right now. And go on about your way. Then I give it all to you. What am I supposed to do with this? Hmm? What am I supposed to do with all this? You done told me all this stuff. That's what I'm supposed to do. I don't know, but you should have thought about that before you... Hello? 
The biggest sin in the book of, of Genesis, the very first sin, was that Adam and Eve wanted to know the differences between good and evil. They understood good because God is good and they knew him very well. What they didn't know is that they did not understand evil and it was evil that was talking to them, convincing them to eat of the fruit. In us is this insatiable need to always look to try to figure something out. What's happening? What's going on? What does this mean? How is this going to work? And God is mysterious. I'll say it again. In us is an insatiable need to always figure something out. But God is mysterious. Y'all are not trying to help me. This means off the top, you already have a character trait that can work against the nature of God. It'd be different if you just didn't mind waiting for the Lord to reveal. Hello? Yeah. It'd be different if you just didn't mind waiting for God to just show you. Hello? That you could just put it on a shelf and say, I don't know what God is doing on that, but I will wait to hear from him. Oh, no, dear beavers. That is not what you do. Oh, no, dear lions. That is not what you do. Oh, no, dear golden retrievers. Y'all don't do it either. Uh, otters. No, 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 no. One of the greatest problems that we all have to figure out, what does this mean? Where is it going? What is the point? What is the difference? How is it? What is it? And we just sit there and we just try to pick it apart. Yeah. Versus the patience of waiting on the Lord. The trust that says, I know he will reveal when I need to know it. This, this will then curb your desire to know truth, but makes that knowledge dependent upon the move of the Father and not yourself. That's good, Pastor. I have to wait for the Father to reveal. I have to wait for the Father to say, well, maybe it was because of this, maybe because of that, maybe it was going to go like this, and maybe if you do this, then this is going to, shh. Shh. Pride makes you think that you can figure it out. Pride makes you think that you can find the answer. Pride makes you think that you got a solution, that you can evaluate what is best for you. But it takes a couple of butt whoopings to recognize real easy, I don't whatever you say. I don't even know whatever you think is best for me. I, don't, I can't even figure it out. Whatever you think I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. Wherever you think I need to go, when you think I should do it, you just tell me. Enough butt whoopings humbles you way, way down. Way down. You like, look, I, <laughs> well, Pastor, what you think? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what I should think. <laughs> Let me go pray about it and I'll come back to you. Because if you leave me to my own devices, I'm going to seek for this information in a way that God has not permitted. You know how you say, well, sometimes I just want to live my life. Sometimes I just need to figure out what works best for me. Sometimes I just need to experiment and see for myself. And then when your children display this behavior, you're shocked. Why they don't listen to me? Why they don't recognize that I know what's best? Why can't they see that I'm only trying to help them? Oh! 
Now, I remember on some of y'all raising you spiritually since you was 18 years old. Hello, somebody. And I, and I remember the days that you, 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 you did not think I knew what was best. No, no, no. You slept, cussed me out, and ran off. What could I do? You was practically grown. Hello, somebody. But then when you see this behavior showing up in your own children, you can't fathom how they could reject such loving intentions. How they could reject such loving kindness. Huh? Yeah, it's a real thing. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. You want to stop reaping it? Stop sowing Maybe you should look more obedient. And maybe your children might be more obedient. Oh, y'all don't want to help me today. Maybe you should look more sacrificial. Maybe your children might look less selfish. Oh, y'all don't want to help me. Maybe you should look more stable. Hello, somebody, in your emotions. And maybe your children might display that also. Hello? No, you're not scratching your own face, but you is degrading your whole body. Hello? You're not having a temper tantrum and knocking yourself and on the floor and beating yourself up, but you are, in other ways, beating yourself up. Your frustrations and your anger manifest differently than a child's, but they still show up in your life. One of the best scriptures I've ever heard is like, through childbirth, the woman was saved. Often look at that not being a parent going, I tell you what, if these kids don't give you a reason, y'all don't want to help me. Children will give you a reason to do better. A child will give you a reason to go to work when you ain't have no reason to go to work. A child will give you a reason to better yourself when you didn't feel like bettering yourself. A child will give you a reason, and through that reason, you are saved. I appreciate I can't get, did you run? Somebody need to run. Hello, somebody. Hallelujah. Because left up to you, you would be sitting there going, sinking even further. But you recognize I can't sink no further because somebody that I love is depending on me. I can't go no further. I can't take that thought no further. I can't get no crazier because somebody that I do love is still depending on me no matter how much I wish they didn't. It doesn't change the fact that they are. That love saved you. It is because of them that you're not sinking even further. Who would have thought that your love to somebody else would wrap back around and protect you? Oh, I, I know what I'm preaching, huh? It was my love for the people in this church that protected me from sinking further into depression, further into suicide, further. I said, whether I like it or not, there's somebody still depending on me. Now, you can develop a selfish spirit. Hello? You can develop a selfish spirit where you want to disconnect from everybody that is depending on you. 
Y'all don't want to help me. Well, you can disassociate and tell them, I don't know why they need to worry about me. They need to worry about themselves. And they don't need to be looking at me. They need to be looking at themselves. And you try to do everything you can to sever love. You don't want to help me here. You try to push their buttons to the point where they don't want to fool up with you no more and push them away. Come on. Oh, are you, are you trying to push God himself right to a cliff that you might throw him over? Hello, somebody, because you can't deal with the amount of love that he's trying to show you. Because this love is going to call for a change. Y'all don't want to help me today. If you love me like this, then this means I got to change. If you love me like this, then this means I got to do better. If you love me like this, then this means I got to start turning things around. I got to start getting up more early. I got to start praying at night. I got to start prepping my meals. I got to start filling up my tank in the daytime. If you love me this much, then this means change has to happen. So I, I'll push away this love. Come on. Don't get to know me. Don't know the insides of me. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't really try to figure me out. Don't really be there for me. That's why I don't ever like people like you. That's why I don't ever fool up with stuff like you. And I can hear it in your words because you start making lies. I didn't say that. That's not what I said. It's a lie. Now you've got to lie. You've got to use aggression and force to keep pushing the spirit of God far from you. Come on, somebody. Because he's trying to usher you in to a new way of life. Come on, somebody. He's trying to usher you in to a new destiny. He's trying to usher you into a new beginning. He's trying to usher you in into what true salvation looks like. And all you want to do is use aggression and push him away. That's good. That's good. Sit, in, sit on down. Sit on down. told y'all you better leave me be leave me be you gotta push them away and I want people to get to know me because of what somebody else did back in the day come on now I don't I don't want to go that way I want to fool up like that no more and then you start looking at things deceptively making up stories and scenarios that do not exist. This, this, is, this is beyond just resisting. When you gotta start stretching stuff, this is pushing. It's one thing to resist, but you've gone to a whole nother level where you have to start destroying. You gotta start tearing down somebody's witness, character, nature. Destroying relationships, trying to redefine what it was all these years. I've heard you do this to me. I'm thinking I'm loving you. And you obviously said, well, you never really cared. What? Well, you only did this thing because is that what you thought? Oh, you're just trying to tear up the whole foundation of our relationship. And if you do it to me, then guess what? You're doing it to God. Not because it's me, because this is your pattern. Well, I don't really understand God no way. He's going to get his way anyway. So he's going to deteriorate every ounce of loving kindness and grace and mercy and, and the personability of God and how Christ, you're going to destroy all of that. 
because you're right at the precipice of change and you don't want to cross over. You're right there. Jesus tries to explain to those in his hometown in the synagogue this, the scripture that I read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they just looked at him. And he sat down. Hello? See, later, he does, in fact, go to Capernaum. And in Capernaum, he does the exact same thing. He preaches the gospel, shares it in the synagogue, and they are astonished by his authority. Y'all don't want to help me. This group in Nazareth, they marvel. In Capernaum, where he goes next, they are astonished at his authority. Christ's authority never changed. He was the same in Nazareth as he was in Capernaum. Y'all don't want to help me today. But the issue is the hearts of the people in Nazareth, y'all don't want to help me today, is uniquely different than the hearts of those in Capernaum. Y'all don't want to help me today. The authority of God never changed. But what you're able to see based off where you are in yourself means that you have rejected the authority of God. Sometimes people get on conversations with me. They get a little on nine and ten. And I have to remind them, who are you talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? Now, some days when they're in a good place in their spirit, oh, it's, oh, pastor, oh, respectfully, oh, my humbleness talks to you, pastor. But today... Since you upset and all, I have zero authority. I mean, you think it's so easy, huh, Pastor? Why you walk? You, you gonna tell me what? To, what? Now, when I told you this word and you wanted it and it saved you, you was happy. When I tell you this word and you don't want it, now my authority is in question. I know you do this to me, so that in fact means that in your life you do this to the Father. You degrade his authority as if he doesn't have something to say about the nature of what you are doing. Y'all don't, I mean, you just completely remove the idea, oh, he's just an advisor. He just kind of tells me what he thinks I should do, but ultimately it's my decision. That's interesting. Because when your kids do that to you, you got a problem. When they take your commands as advice. Hello? You, you want to go ham on them. I did not tell you. But you've also brought down the authority of God. He spoke to you, gave you specific instructions on how to take that job, how not to take that job, how to live, how not to live, what to do with your money, what not to do. And you heard it and thought, mm, since I don't want to do it, 
I mean, but really, Pastor, should you be telling me? I mean, realistically, I'm just supposed to weigh these things myself. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. Have to remind people, ain't no bones in my word. It's all meat. No bones. Like that chicken I cut up for the, for the lions on the other night. <laughs> the recipe said, leave the bones in. I said, my babies ain't eating these bones. That was five pounds worth of chicken I had to cut up. But nevertheless, in Capernaum, they saw his authority. In Nazareth, they look at him. Now, what he said should be exciting news. Today is the day I'm here to set captives free, to put you at liberty, to heal the blind, to heal the sick. Today is your day. Today it is fulfilled. This is the day of the Lord. Uh, but isn't that Joseph boy? See, if, if you're coming to fulfill this, then this means that we all have to come under you. Y'all don't want to help me today. If you've come to fulfill this word, then we all have to be submissive under your word. Hello, somebody. And I don't know, but I have a hard time with that, Jesus. Because you're Joseph's son. We know you. Hello? And this is a, a good time to learn a very important lesson. To disregard the common is to disqualify yourself from the miraculous. To disregard, check the scriptures and all the narratives. To disregard the common is to disqualify yourself from the miraculous. Let me, let me help you. I know, I know, I know your works. You're always looking for that greatness. Oh, I want to be wealthy. Oh, I want to be a millionaire. Oh, I want the perfect family. Oh, I want the wonderfulness of this and the wonderfulness of that. Oh, oh, I want to change the world. I want to change the, the, the prison industry. I want to, I want to change it. Oh, you're looking for the great, the grand, the grandiose. I've been using this to Shahida because she's passionate about reform. And I love it. And she wants me to, she's like, Pastor, I know she's thinking. She don't say it out loud. But she's thinking this. You're so, like, powerful. You, too, should take arms in some of these things. And I'm like, no. But pastor, this is a noble cause. It is. Yeah, but no. Don't you want to come and bring justice to this? Girl, if I had to bring justice to everything somebody thought needed justice, every world crisis, every war over here, every shooting over there, oh, if I had to just bring justice for that and fight for that, I would have no time to pastor. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a very uh, high regard for the common, which is you. We are the common. One person in the midst of trillions. It's us. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to focus on you. And this one, and that one, and that one, and that one, no, 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 right? I'm going to focus on, on this, this little bit right here, just these 
this, this small few, right? And that includes you. And maybe one day the Father might use you not to bring about the change, but to continue to be the catalyst that does it. No real revival happens because of one person, but a momentum of many lives cascading until a breaking point. My prayer is that you might be included in that, but please don't be naive to think that you were the start, the cause, the beginning. We're all just cogs in a big old wheel. Hello, somebody. Now let's put the attention back on you. How much disregard do you have for the common? The things that you have to do every day. Oh, you don't want to help me today. Huh? I hear in your, in your, in your frustrations that you're so sick and tired of going to work. It's like every day I like to wake up, go to work, feed the kids, take me to school, blah, 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 blah. Every day I got to get on the road and go do this. Oh, my God, I just can't wait till I don't have to do blah, 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 blah. It's just all the same stuff. I'm so tired. I feel trapped, Pastor. Oh, my God, it's so much. You're just doing the same thing over and over again. Total disregard for the common. But if you check scripture, it is the common that God uses to test the heart of the individual for the miraculous. You're not going to see no miracles. Hello, somebody. Because you keep disregarding the necessity of everyday common stuff. You don't want to help me today. You ain't going to see no miracle. Why God don't do this kind of stuff for me? Why he don't do, he don't do it? He would say he don't do that kind of stuff because you don't have any regard for everyday consistency, everyday discipline, everyday obedience, everyday perfection. Just trying to get better at the small things. Maybe I need to get better at this little thing. Maybe I need to just do this one time I need to get better at this little thing every day no 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 you need grandiose you need big huge you ain't even gonna qualify to be the type of person that God can produce a miracle through you don't even qualify Cause you don't even want to get down in the in the grind, down in the in the trenches. Hello, somebody. Not even going to qualify. Is this not Joseph's son? They said. Jesus responded, "You know what? One day y'all gonna say, physician, heal yourself." What he's trying to say is, one day you gonna beg me to do for others. Do, to do the things I'm doing for others, what I need to be doing at home first. You're going to hear about what I do in Capernaum. This is before he went to Capernaum. And you're going to say, come, and you should at least do that at home first. You're thinking, ah, yeah, that, that makes sense. No, no, but you do the same thing. Lord, why does it seem like the heathen are more blessed than the believer? Why did it seem like those that don't even go to church, they get a car? And those that don't even go to church, they get this. And those that, they, don't, they ain't even live right and now they married. It just seemed to me. How they don't even live right and they seem like they get the blessings. 
Then try to say, well, maybe it ain't as good as what it looked like. I mean, it may not be, but then again, it could be. It could be just as good as it looks. Hello, somebody. The issue is when the father tried to come to you first, y'all don't want to hear me. When he tried to bring it to you first, oh, y'all don't want to hear me. When he tried to bring to you first wealth and he tried to bring to you first a degree and he tried to bring to you first a good husband and a good wife. When he tried to bring these things to you first, you, you disregarded the common. So I'm just supposed to like go to church. So I'm just supposed to wake up and go to this job every day. So I'm just supposed to save a little bit. So I'm just supposed to pay that bill. So I'm just supposed you disregarded the every day. And that level of success in your life would require a miracle. Don't act. You ain't even you ain't even got your first degree finished. Hello, somebody. Hello, you're not even that talented at anything. Y'all don't want to help me because I know this about myself. Hello, so I'm just an average about everything. I got an average understanding. I got an average ability. I got an average. My muscles is average. Hello, somebody. My intellect is average. In order for me to be successful, I need a miracle. You need to do something bigger than I can actually accomplish for me to see the type of success that I really want to see. Hello, somebody. I don't come for, for money. Hello, somebody. I don't, I don't have that kind of start. Hello, somebody. You know, my family didn't go to church every day at first. Oh, no. Hello, somebody. Do you know me even standing here as a pastor is a miraculous move? Because if you would have left it up to me, I still would have been sinning and sexing and drinking. But somewhere along the way, I learned how to put respect on the common, on the everyday. The respect for making my bed in the morning. Y'all don't want to help me. Every morning. The respect for washing all the dishes before I go to bed. The respect for getting on my knees in prayer. These are things that I had to practice daily where it was a struggle and an effort. Now people look at my life and say, you was always ready. You stay ready. Your nails stay ready. Your house stay ready. You ain't never got to get stuff together for folk. You always together. That took years of respecting the common. Then you become an example to somebody else and they think it's just going to happen because they really want it. <laughs> you want to stop being late all the time? You better put some respect on a common alarm system that is your phone. Put some respect and not hit that snooze button. Put some respect on that alarm. Did you tell me to get up? I just need to get up. I need to respect that alarm. Hello? Hello? You don't put any respect in the things that are common. Christ, he then points their attention to Elisha and Elijah. And he says, Elijah was sent to a widow uh, in the region of Sidon. And, and just for time's sake, I'm not going to make you go there, but it's in 1 Kings. Now, there was a famine in the land, right? 
And the famine, just for backstory, because it's pretty interesting. The famine happened because Ahab did worse as the king of Israel and the king of Judah did worse uh, than his father, Omri, who did worse than Jeroboam. All right. And everybody just kept getting really bad. But Ahab really went far. Ahab ended up marrying Jezebel. And it was a political move because now that the nation of Israel has split into two, north and south, this move would, would help to reestablish the security of Ahab's constituents. So he married Jezebel, right? And not only did he marry her, which he wasn't supposed to do, then he worshipped her god, Baal, which he wasn't supposed to do. And then he built a temple for Baal and an idol for Baal and placed it in Baal's temple. And the Bible says in 1 Kings that somehow Ahab counted this trivial. I like that word trivial because that's exactly how it starts. It starts with when the word of God becomes trivial. What he tells you to do something is take it or leave it. You can judge whether you want to do it or not. Judge whether this is for you or not. If I'm preaching it and you sitting here, it is for you. We can at least trust the sovereignty of God. This is what he put on my heart. You made it to church. If though facto, it is for you. Well, I got to really kind of see. Mm, do you? This is how you keep getting in trouble. Because you don't trust the sovereignty of God to work through us both. So, so, so he, he went, he, he built all this stuff completely out of order. In his reign, Heel, Heel, rebuilt the walls of Jericho. Okay? 700 years prior to this, Joshua, when he defeated Jericho, said that any person that rebuilds this city is cursed and they will lose both their sons or they, all their children. So during the reign of Ahab, Halil built the city of Jericho, right, and lost all his sons in the process. From the eldest to the youngest, lost all of them. Fulfilling the curse and the word that was given to Joshua 700 years prior. Let me show you what happens when you decide to make the word of the Lord trivial. It don't change unless he says something different. If he didn't say nothing different, then that word is still looming over your head. And just because years have passed and just because months have went by and just because you don't even do that no more, you don't even over there no more, does not mean that that word is still not hanging over your head. You evaluate how well you think you are to determine whether that word should still apply. What I've learned. So I, since I've learned the lesson, then, you know. But baby, did God say something different? It's still the same. You would think that this man rebuilding the walls 
of a city that God called for destruction. This city is going to be destructed for my sake. Everything in it is mine, and I have called them for destruction. That's it. Everything's going to be destroyed as unto me. Unto me. So you're going to go back and rebuild what God already said needed to be destroyed? You're going to go back and try to build a friendship that God already said needed to be destroyed. You're going to go back and try to build your bank account, even though God said it needed to be destroyed. You're going to try to go, but you're just trying to rebuild old stuff. And you expect it to work out. Halil's children suffered the penalty of what their father tried to rebuild that God said it was done. You want to be a good parent. How about you don't rebuild what God is trying to deliver you from? Hello, somebody. Don't matter how much time has passed. Hello? Hello, somebody. When y'all crossed over, you knew God had delivered you, Joshua. Oh, Israel. Oh, didn't God deliver you from there? Oh, look at you. Oh, he delivered you from the giants. He delivered you. Now you done got your degrees and all 700 years later, you forgot that you're supposed to listen to authority. Hello? You don't see the pastor in her pajamas, so now you ain't got to listen. It's all, you know. Hello, somebody. We don't, we don't went on trips together, so you know, we, we cool. We cool. I am not God's word. Asking me my opinion is going to get you my opinion. My opinion does not change what God said to you. Because that's how you do me. I'll preach a word and you know God told you off that word. You need to leave that, leave that, put that down, put this over here, do this like that. And you know it. Then you want to come to me personally after service, after a couple weeks have passed, when, when things start looking bad. And you want to come to me and say, well, now, Pastor, does this really apply? Is it still the same thing? I'm over here with my nighttime coffee and my pajamas on relax mode. You over here trying to manipulate. And then for a minute, most times I don't even notice it. I'm like, maybe they just confused. And then I start feeling that pushback. And then when I go ham on you, oh my God, I was just trying to get clear. No, you wasn't. You weren't trying to get clarification. You were trying to rebuild old wasted places. God said, that is a no. That is a no. That is a no. No, that's a no. But, but pastor, I mean, when you look at it like this, that is a no. And you're trying to use me to help you build what God has destroyed. He said, no, you can't do that like that. No, you need to put that down. That is completely wrong. You have to walk away, cut it, let it go, move on. And now you're trying to use me to help you. I will not. Why are you so frustrated? I'm frustrated because you're trying to use me to do some, some dirt. I ain't into that. I ain't into that. Well, you coming down all on the nine, Pastor. I was just saying, no, you wasn't. He said, there were many widows in Israel. It's a famine. The famine is here. Because Ahab went 
ham. If you really look at it, he thought it was trivial what he was doing because he had gotten so used to politicking. I had to tell somebody the other day, I said, it is not my fault that you got used to living with such poor character. It is not my fault that you got used to living lying. You got used to living with, with a boo on the side. You got used to living with somebody you could call all the time. You got used to living with a little orgasm on this. You got, to, you got used to living with all of this. And when God starts calling for change and the word of the Lord comes out that you need to change this thing, then you start to do it and things are worse. Then you want to get mad because the truth is when Christ said, I am here, this means in some regard, it's going to be really great. But it's going to be great for those that are blind, deaf, oppressed. Hello, somebody. For those that really are down bad. For everybody else that's not that down bad, it's just going to be a lot of change. A ton of change. We don't need no more priests. I mean, you can do it, but it's not necessary. We don't need no more Sadducees, Pharisees. I mean, you can, you can study, but... Not really needed. We don't need none of this. We don't need none of this, none of this, none of this, none of this. <gasps> he about to mess us up. Right? Yeah. So you can see this change is, is problematic because we don't like change. And now the pain that you're feeling in trying to accept the word of God highlights that so many things were done so wrong. And then you want to be mad at God because when you actually try to do what he says, it hurts. It hurts because you've been doing not what he said for so long. When I go to Pure Bar, my experience at Pure Bar would be uniquely different than your experience your first time. Uniquely different. We both will be in pain. But my pain and your pain, different. Hello, somebody. Because in my pain, I can still function. In your pain, you have to stop. Y'all don't want to help me. So you would, you would, and you would think that I'm not feeling the same pain because you stopped. Y'all don't want to help me today. Change is something like that. You think that I think that this change is easy. You think that I think that it's going to be easily done because when I had to do it, I keep moving in the midst of pain. And when you do it, you have to fall all out. Oh, I can't do it. Oh, I just forget the whole thing. And you say, well, we don't have the same amount of pain. This pain is harder for me. No, baby, you are different. You just now starting to live right. <laughs> oh, let me just call it out. You just now starting to live like a Christian. You're just now starting to learn to forgive when they hurt you. You're just now starting to learn to persevere in pain. You're just now starting how to, how to obey God. You're just now starting how to trust God. You're just starting. Baby, the pain is the same, but I have been trained to move forward. Don't tell me it don't hurt me. It does. You're just weaker. Oh, yeah. 
You're not relying on his strength to carry you through. And I am. In my weakness, his strength is made mature. It's made whole and complete. In your weakness, you tap out. So if you're going to quit, then there's no need for his strength. See, see, see the connection between the common? If you would just keep doing the common thing, just keep doing the common thing, then you would put a need. Come on, somebody. You would put a demand on the miraculous. But because you keep stopping with the common, there's no need for a miraculous move of God. You want God to move something. For what? Looks to me you quit anyway. Hello, somebody. I need God to just do a miraculous thing. For what? Because when you just had to do the common, the basic, the wake up, feed the kids, get them ready for school, put them on the bus, go to work, do your morning devotion, have lunch, come home. Cook dinner, help them with the homework, put them to bed, do your evening devotions, wake up, go get the kids up, make them breakfast, get them dressed, put them on the bus, go to work, do your devotion, have your lunch, go back to work, come home, pick up the kids, make dinner, put them to bed, have your evening devotion. Just doing this constant repetition is devalued. And you do it so sloppily. I mean, you don't even strive to do the basic things with excellence. If you don't strive to do basic things with excellence, why does God need to use you to move a mountain? Bed messily made. Dinner slopped up. When the lions came to my house, Gabrielle said, Pastor, I can't, you really, no, Sheena, you really prepared for us. Yeah, I spent four hours prior preparing, getting everything ready, marinating the chicken, prepping all the cutting, so that when you arrived, I wasn't so focused on making the dinner that I could not enjoy your presence. So everything was on autopilot once everything got prepared. So now I can just communicate and we're getting ready to have a hot meal after this. No, 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 not you. Last minute Susie over here. And now all your frustration is rising. You're frustrated because you can't be there for the kids. You're frustrated that you don't have no energy. You're frustrated that you're running out of time. You're frustrated that this ain't working right. Now all your frustrations are rising, and it's not because you're not capable. It's because you decided to be sloppy about basics. Come on, let me parent you for a minute. Come on now, let your spiritual mother just raise you up a little bit. You can't be sloppy with the common. The simple things you should be acing. Can you cook the dinner with a good attitude? Come on, dear wife. Come on. I know the husband wants you to cook, but can you not be slamming the cabinets while you're cooking? Come on, somebody. I know he wants you to clean, but you, could you stop cussing while you're sweeping? Can you at least do the basics? Yeah. 
striving to do the basics with excellence. Husbands, you ain't out the loop. How many times did the, did the wife ask you to move that? Fix that. Take care of that. Hello, somebody. And just because she ain't said nothing, you just keep pushing it off to the side. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Well, baby, is it okay if I get to it later? Well, is it all right? And I know because y'all do the same thing to me. And I'm your pastor who put in work long before this ever show up. How you going to balance family life? Hello? Hello? You can't let the same thing drop twice. Come on, man of God, juggle. Come on now, juggle. Juggle. Juggle this. Hello? I keep getting the I'm sorry, Pastor. Don't ask me, can you get married? I'm sorry. I don't have time for your meeting right now. Can we put your marital counseling back a little bit? Oh, is your flesh burning? Oh, well, I guess we just have to wait. I'm, my calendar's full. I'm busy with work. <laughs> A disregard for the common disqualifies you for the miraculous. When, she, when, when, he, when, when Elijah met the, the widow of Zarephath, now this is where Baal is worshipped the most. This is Sidon, the same Sidon that Jezebel was from. Elijah is told by God to go there, and there will be a widow that God has commanded to provide for Elijah. Now, hear me out. Prior to this arrival, okay, Elijah had to go to the brook of Sherith or something like that. And he drank from that brook and ravens brought him meat and bread. Until the brook dried up. Why did the brook dry up? Because God used Elijah to say that in this famine it's because there's not going to be any rain. Right? And Elijah told Ahab, the Lord has said there's no rain because of this foolishness. Until I say so. At the sound of my word, then God will bring rain. But none till then. Elijah was a bad man right there. Because this famine meant that he's out here getting fed by ravens. What he had to prophesy affected him also. Y'all don't want to help me today. What he had to do in order to correct a nation also had to be borne by himself. He also had to carry the weight of the famine. He got to the brook, and then eventually that brook dries up because there's no rain. See, if my brook dry up, I'm be like, well, all right, I guess it's a sign that we the famine is over. <laughs> Bring rain, Lord. Amen. <laughs> But that didn't move him. There's no water. God says, I've commanded a widow inside him. Go to her. She'll feed you. She'll give you water. So he gets there. He runs into the widow. You know the story. 
He says, could you make me a small cake with some meal? She said, the Lord is my witness, sir. All I have is a little bit of meal, and I'm just going to make this for me and my son, and we're going to eat this and die because this is all we got. Elijah says, you can do that. You can eat that and die. But just before you do, could you just make me a little loaf? I like the idea that he never promised, if you make this loaf for me, I'll make sure that you get to eat. Y'all don't want to help me today. If, if, he never promised that you don't have to die. Hello, somebody, if you do this for me. He never said that. What I like to draw your attention to is that you're mad at God because when you tried to do things his way, it went south. But he didn't promise you that if you do it his way, it's going to go north. He told you that you should do it his way because it is his way. Y'all don't want to help me. You over here mad that I'm trying to do what you told me to do and it just seems to get harder. I try to live right and now I got this situation. I try to do it like this. And as soon as I dedicate to God, then this happens. Nobody told you that this was the magic key to success. It is God's command on how you should live. What's being revealed is your manipulation. And how deeply rooted it is. That you're even trying to manipulate God himself. What's the point of doing it if it ain't going to work out? Because it's right. I mean, let's just be honest. If the widow felt like this bread was going to save her and keep her alive, she probably wouldn't have shared it. I got enough to get us through to next week, so no. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Go find somebody else, okay? I get paid next week. This is going to make me to next week. That is not the Lord. Bye. If you trusted in that. Yeah. But she knew that that bread was not enough to keep her and her son alive. Yeah. Yeah. So she had already surrendered to the idea that we're not going to be here after this. Yeah. Yeah. So why not share? Why not, sh why not share since we're not going to live after this anyway? But when you really put your trust in stuff is when you have a hard time letting go. But when you realize that stuff can't save you, paychecks can't save you, jobs can't save you, people can't save you, none of this can save you, you don't mind letting go of anything and everything because it ain't like it can keep me alive. You didn't want to admit it. That you felt like this marriage, if you could just only get married, it'll, it'll help, it'll, it'll solve it. If you could only get somebody that'll really, it'll, it'll fix it for you. If you could only, you didn't want to admit that if I could only get my next paycheck, you know, I can get this money stacked up, that's really going to set me on top. It ain't. It ain't. I'm going to work these extra hours, do, 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 do. It ain't. I know people right now that are working extra hours in order to come out of a hole and they keep getting more into the hole. Shh, don't tell them. The miss Sundays and Wednesdays and everything else to get some money. Hello, somebody. 
and get mad at everybody. Else. Well, you need to stop going to church and go get a job and work that as you work to put that the Lord to understand. Try to tell everybody else to stop working. And they still struggling. My cousin said to me, she said, she said, cuz, let me tell you something. I'd probably listen to you about finances more than I would listen to such and such. Because at least I could say, whatever you're doing is working. How you going to take money and financial advice from somebody that is still living paycheck to paycheck? So your mama, the one that broke, is telling you what to do with your money? The one that needs your money to help pay the bills? Hello? Hello, somebody. See, I, I, I can listen to my mama because I ain't paid a bill in my whole life living with my mama. To this day, me and daddy, I already know, no matter what, if I ever go broke, I got a place to stay rent-free. Whatever my mama and daddy told me to do with my money, it just made sense because if they can take care of me. <laughs> Hello, somebody. But now you want people to listen to your advice, but you have not come up. And the people that have come up, that try to show you how to, as a believer, how to live. Hello, somebody. Yeah. So that you too could, could, could come up. Hello? So we can get your, your babies to come up. You don't want to listen to them. So what you're trying has not worked. And somebody who it looks like, maybe it worked for, you don't want to listen to. And no one get mad at other people for not listening to you. I told you this message for one person. I'm coming for you in every way. And she said, my cousin said, you know, and another thing, cuz I would probably listen to you because you don't have that what's in it for me spirit. She said, you ain't always looking for how you can come up from this. She said, and the reason you could do it is because you're already comfortable. Because I'm not down here in the trenches. Hello, somebody. I don't have to look for every way that I could also make some money off of this and make some money off of that. See, some of y'all are so low that you got to look for every way you can hustle and get some money off of it. And that's why people don't trust your advice. Okay. Pastor, you could write a book on that. Pastor, you could, you could do this on that. Pastor, you could. What? Every couple of months, we get a notice from the pod being how much you could be making if you only charged a dollar. One dollar for your podcast. We could be making a ton of money, but I don't believe in selling the gospel. The Bible says, buy the gospel, sell it not. If I wasn't preaching, if I start preaching, you know, self-help, then okay, we'll, we'll, we'll charge that. <laughs> Intellectual stuff, well, you know, 10 ways to live your best life. Yes, I will charge you for that. That's not the gospel. All right, let's move on. <clears throat> so it's obvious that the widow knew this bread ain't going to keep me. What I'd like to draw your attention to is she is a victim of circumstances above her. Right? The person who has caused some of this, she's getting ready to feed them. He's the 
the one that spoke the word that the rain was going to stop. And he's the only one that can speak the word that the rain is going to go again. Hello, somebody. In essence, the one that she has to sacrifice to is the very one that has the future of this situation in his mouth. Can you feed the mouth of the prophet? Hello, somebody. Some people have figured out a way to pass his heart. Bring her food. If you can't cook, give her money. Can you feed her? Oh, hey, Pastor, I want to pick your brain about something while I'm eating. Yes. Go ahead, carry on. Ask me any question. This is so good. Thank you for the. I talked about anything over a plate of food. I tell you that right now. Many a lunches. <laughs> no, you want to take up my time and bring me no snack. All my counseling free. You could at least bring me a snack. <laughs> Pastor, here goes some chips for you. You know, you just showing up empty-handed, taking all the time. It ain't even paid for none of this. But how many try to counsel you while my stomach? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gonna be like Shahida. She gonna bring the baby a snack. Where my snack? The baby ain't even working. She ain't even doing nothing. <laughs> Amelia over there, nom, nom, this donut good, Pastor. <laughs> I'm going to eat your donut, kid. <laughs> Hello? It ain't, you know, plenty of people put this money. They put money right in my, Pastor, I just want to just cash out you this for your time today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Amen. I had a couple say, Pastor, we want um, marital counseling. And the husband said, I don't want to go to your pastor. She said, okay, that's fine. You find one. They looked at the prices. No, we can go to your pastor. We can go to your pastor. We can go. <laughs> oh, hello? Uh-huh. A workman is worth a hire now. Come on, man. I, I, I ain't hardly ashamed. Hello? This is National Pastor Appreciation Month. National. The whole Americas think that pastors need to be appreciated. I will take advantage. So he went to her. She, she did it. She ate. She, she made the cake for him. Then she made some for her and her son. This is a very mundane task. It's very common. Take some meal. Make a loaf. Make it for the man of God. Go back. Take what's left. Make it for you and your son. In this common task, she found that the next time she was hungry, there was meal in the pot. There was grain and oil. How? How? How something so common? Notice, it wasn't like it just, just a big old mound of grain just showed up. Like just vats of it just showed up. No. Oh, you didn't just win the lottery. No, it's not the grain lottery. No, it's not the extra bonus. No, no, it's not. It didn't, that's not how it happened. She just went back, and it was something there. Made it for her, the man of God, and her son. We hungry again. Went back. Oh, it's something there. Made it for her. This lasted for almost three years. There's a miracle in some of the common things. But you, with your analytical self, same iniquity as back in the day, got to figure out how it's going to work. 
well, if I do this, then I'm not going to have this, and this is not going to go like this, and then, then, then maybe God can't do that. Now you got now you got to have a promise. That's why you looked at the command that God gave you and couldn't understand how things were getting worse as why this is good for me. What can you get out of it? What can you get out of doing the right thing? I never see where this woman said God commanded her. But God said he commanded her. Ooh. Ooh. The commands of God can be right to the essence of who we are. It ain't got to be audible. It ain't got to be thunder and lightning. All he's going to do is command a certain part of your heart to come forth. You ain't got to ask God. See, she didn't go in prayer. She, she, she didn't. Number one, she's not even Jewish. See, you think because you got a relationship with God that everything got to be asked. So you can, but this is just a tactic for you to figure out stuff. Versus going with the commands of God. Right here on the inside. Ain't nothing for me to figure out. This is right. So if we all going to die, at least this man can have a little loaf with us. That just seemed right to me. But no, you don't stop there, do you? No. no. Well, then if we eat this and then, and then he eat that, and then, um, and then, then we're not going to have nothing. Okay, maybe God's going to use this, and he's going to, like, bless us. So I'm going to get him this loaf and be like, where my blessing? Where my blessing? I did it with my blessing. I did it with my blessing. She's not going to see the blessing until she is hungry again. You're not going to see what God has blessed you with until it is needed again. Come on, somebody. And when you need again, there it is. Y'all don't want to help me today. Well, Pastor, you said this. Now what you going to say? I ain't going to say nothing until you need me to say something. And when you need me to say something, here is your manna. Here is your daily bread. Here is your grain for today. You're trying to get the whole plan. Give me the vat of it and I'll, I'll distribute it. No. Tell me how it's all going to work out, then I'll do it. No. You have to wait for him to reveal it. You sitting up, oh, God, show it to me. No. Oh, God, what do you want me to do? No. When it's needed, you'll have it. I've seen that in my life. How are we going to pay these bills? How is it? Oh, my God. I ain't got no more money to get it to church. The church ain't got no money. And right when it looks like all hope is lost, somebody will write a check. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And then, you know, on the inside, I'd be like, well, let me just, let me not do nothing. We ain't going to have no events. We ain't going to have nothing because we got this money. We got to make it stretch. And I realized, how did you get this money? I don't even know. Just when I needed it, it showed up. So how about we go ahead and make this small cake? Come on, y'all don't want to help me today. How about we go ahead and have dinner on Wednesday nights? How about we go ahead and have the tribes over to my house? I don't know where the money going to come from. All I know is when I need it. Because I practice being excellent in common things. I desire to do great and simple things. So then when I need it, 
That's right there. Then he takes us, Jesus, going back to Luke, takes us to the leper named Naaman. Naaman was a Syrian. He was the commander of chief to the king. His wife had a servant girl that was from Israel. Naaman had leprosy, but he had many victories because God favored him. I want you to notice in both of the examples of the, the widow and the leper, that there was definitely a sign that God was doing something. The prophecy of Joshua was fulfilled and, and Hill, who was rebuilding Jericho 700 years later, right? And the case with Naaman, Naaman had favor over every battle he fought. Obvious that God was, was there. You have had obvious things that God has been in your life. Obvious. Now, this is something that if you don't pay attention to, you will discredit his authority, his presence in your situation. You'll make it trivial when it's not trivial. It's a big deal. So both of them had an indicator that God Almighty was definitely with them. Naaman had great favor. When the Israelite girl told her, she went and told uh, her husband, Naaman asked for letters and papers to go to the king of Israel. The king of Syria sent a letter to the king of Israel and was like, can you heal my servant? The king of Israel was like, um, you trying to fight with me? You trying to, you trying to engage in war? Isn't this funny? Your insecurities will always show up when nobody's even triggering you. Do you know that your insecurity is only seen in this. Like, because, you know, I think about racism a lot. And I think, oh, that person only did that because I was black. Only they only said that because I was a woman. Now, truthfully, it, they could have said or done this thing for a multiple amount of reasons. I mean, there's some obvious times because they say, because you black, you know. I don't trust black people. You know, those are obvious, okay. But when they don't say it, and it's not that obvious, you can reason in yourself and know, I can only think that, right? But what you are projecting comes from a place of your insecurity. First, you think they said it because of your past sin. You think they said it because of your race. You think they said it because you don't have no money. You think they said it because you're fat, because you're short, because you're tall, because you're skinny. You think they said it and it is all a reflection of your insecurity first. Hello? It's happened to me. I was like, yeah, they probably said that because I was black. And then I saw them with a whole bunch of black people laughing and having a good time. Ooh. I thought you didn't like black people. I guess you, I guess you do like black people. <laughs> I don't know what that was from then. Right? No matter what the injustice was, I recognized that what I concluded had a lot to do with my insecurity. What I feel like I'm dealing with every day. I'm dealing with my sin every day, so thus, this is a result of my sin. Yeah. I'm dealing with this every day, so thus, this is a result of that. It's hard when people are offended by stuff that they had to draw a conclusion on that they have no real proof for. Because be because the feeling is so great, oh, yeah. it's hard to tell them, but it doesn't mean it's accurate. But I just feel, I know. But again, there could be other reasons. 
nah, nah. And then they went, nah, you don't know, you don't know, you don't get me, you don't get me. No, I don't get you. I don't get why you want to pur- purposely live in a life of offense. No, we're, we're not alike. You want to live in offense all the time. No, I don't. Why would anybody want to live that way? I don't know, but you do. Because basic reason could tell you there could be other reasons behind this. But you don't want to, none of them matter to you because the feeling associated with the insecure reason is so loud that the actual possibilities of something else besides what you saw is irrelevant. When I try to calm you down and say, yeah, but you know, you got to get that person the benefit of the doubt. Oh, you always defending them. Who? Giving them a benefit of the doubt is not a defense. You don't win a case with that. Yes, Your Honor, but, I mean, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Case closed. That's not a good defense. Right. But you feel like I've offended you because I'm trying to get you to look at things with reason rather than your emotion. Hello? So the king of Israel said, oh, he's trying to start war. He's trying to fight. Oh, he wanted with lean. He know I ain't God. I'm going to heal somebody. I ain't got the power to heal nobody. So he's just going into a, a national state of mourning, and the whole nation finds out, oh, we might be going to war. And so Elijah said, why are we going to war? Why did king rip his clothes? What's going on? Because this king of Syria made him a decree that he needed to heal this person or else. No, it ain't even, nobody even said no or else. <laughs> right? They ain't in the scriptures. Don't even allude to it. But that's what he thought. Somebody want to fight. Somebody's trying to come for me. Ain't, ain't nobody coming for you. No, they, they're trying to come for me. Oh, they're trying to get me. I know they're trying to get me. They're trying to set me up, Pastor. They're trying to set me up. Do you know how many conversations I deal with from people that have the most pessimistic view of everyone? It is exhausting that I just slowly just like Homer just slip back. <laughs> can't nobody get a pass with you. Can't, you can't let nothing slide with nobody. I'm like, oh my God, you was like guns blazing all the time. Ain't you exhausted? No, this is how you got to live out in these streets. No, you don't. You don't have to live like that. Look at me. I'm not living like that. <laughs> I'm still living. Stop. (laughs) You're not designed to live at such high levels of anxiety. I'm not anxious. You are. You're constantly trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Who's doing it? What Satan could be doing? What he? I understand as an enemy. But if my enemy is promised that they're not going to prevail. I'm not going to lose no sleep. How much sleep do I lose based off of what Satan is doing? Zero. Faith like a child. My daddy going to take care of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Satan up. He moving the demons around. They all doing strategic warfare against the church. (laughs) (laughs) I practice doing my common things with excellence and I go to bed. It is enough just to do my common things with excellence. It is exhausting by itself and yields much better fruit. Y'all don't want to help me. Trying to be alert of Satan 
it does not yield the same amount of fruit as being very persistent and consistent about common activities. Just being excellent and loving on Danny, being excellent in this and love, being excellent. Oh, I got to go over here and check on this. All right, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go do that. All right, I'm gonna, no, no, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to do it just like this. I'm going to do it good. <laughs> Wake up. Let's do it again. Okay, let's go do this over here. Okay, all right. We're going to check on this over there. All right, we're going to do this over here. All right. <laughs> now, you can do the same thing with Satan. Where's Satan at? Where he at? Oh, he called me. Get me over here. He thought I wasn't looking. Oh, but I was looking over there. I'm looking. I see you. I see you coming. In reality, the only thing you've gained is survival. But survival was already promised to you. You've gained no thrive. Now, what do you think happened to all these seeds I was sowing in the midst of whatever Satan was planning? What do you think was happening? Huh? Then this person makes it through cancer. Then this person makes it through their surgery. Then this person come back to the church. Then this person start to open up their heart more. Then this person start trusting more. Then this person start, oh, the bounty. You're not designed to live at high levels of stress. Your body shows it to you. It deteriorates more. You got tumors and, 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 and headaches and migraines and, and, and hello, somebody, yeah. you, you're eating in order to stay awake to do so much and then you keep getting bigger because you got to eat in order to stay awake to do all the stuff you need to do. Yeah. The bigger we are, the more calories it takes. This, this, this hard. Pastor, it's harder for me. Yes, I know. It is harder for you. Because your body requires more calories. But you, you got to this point because you tried to do so much. In order to do that much, you weren't trusting on God. You were trusting on the food. I need this food to give me some energy. I need this to give me some. I need this to give me some. some oh, okay. And now when you don't have it, it's like, oh, I can't even do nothing. I'm so hungry. On Wednesday night, y'all be like, Pastor, just shut up. People come in in advance. I'm already going to be ready to eat. So if anybody raised their hand when she said, are there any more questions? I'm going to already have an attitude. <laughs> the food here. Everybody, Miss Hutchinson walked up. What are you raising your hand for? Put your hand down. The food is here. Everybody looking at that person like. She said, hey, Minister Hudson, that means Bible study done. But I just want to talk to the Lord about mm -mm, the food here now. Uh -uh. Mm -mm. Nope, nope, we done. We done. So you're just going to go ahead and tell me to my face, Pastor, it is not the word that is keeping us alive. It is this food. <laughs> go ahead and tell me to my face, Pastor. Without food, I can't concentrate. Go ahead, tell me to my face. Without food, I, I can't pay attention. Without, without food, I can't be spiritual now, Pastor. Now you're going to feed me first. Take care of my flesh, then I can consider being spiritual. You, 
can't expect me to have a good attitude. I'm hungry. Don't you see me? I'm over here. Uh. That this is an opportunity for you to practice living excellently. Trusting God to allow you to perform excellently. Trusting in him and not your food. Here's the time. Here's the time right now with this one little fast that you can say, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to be the strength I need to have a good attitude. You're going to be the strength I need to concentrate. You're going to be the strength I need to. I mean, here's your chance to really develop that common excellence. But nope, you already told yourself an excuse. I'm, I'm upset because I'm hungry. I'm agitated because I'm hungry. I'm this because I'm hungry. I can't concentrate because I'm hungry. Not even going to try. Hello? To put a demand of faith on the things of God. That's why I walked the course on a fast day. To put a demand. I could eat. I could fast a day. Hello? That ain't, that ain't going to really challenge me. But you start walking the course and burning what little calories you already had from yesterday. This is a great time for me to be upset. Stupid ball. Just you go in the hole. But this is the time for me to practice <laughs> making a demand of God in his spirit. Hello? Amen. To not give excuses to myself for hunger because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The widow was commanded to live in a certain way. And all of her responded, even though she didn't even know God yet. But all of her responded, don't you want to be the created thing that naturally responds to what God is saying versus the one that opposes and tries to push him down a cliff? You can see that's a problem. Come on, cheer up. Oh, cheer up. I'm hungry. See, you don't even want to respond to the command of God. Come on, concentrate. I can't concentrate. I'm hungry. You don't even want to respond to the command of God. This woman was responded. Rocks can cry out. Donkeys can speak. And you get to choose. Lord, I want the kind of heart that when you speak something that you want to come from me, that it just naturally comes from me. That it bypasses my reasoning and, oh, let me try to examine this. Let me try to figure it out. I don't want to do that no more. I just want you to speak it to me, and I just walk in it. Do you know how many things I walk in the will of God in? Like obvious things. Like I went here and ministered to this person. It was perfect, exactly what they needed. I did this at this time. I was right here where I needed to be. And people are like, oh, pastor, you just so you be hearing God. Do I? Do I hear God? Or do I cultivate a relationship that when he commands something, there's no resistance? I want him to speak it so as if it comes naturally from me. And the truth of the matter is, Satan does it to you all the time. Satan speaks lies to your heart and mind, and you swear it's your feelings and your emotion and who you are. But when God tries to do the same thing, now you want to reason it. Is it balanced? Is this really what I said? How does this going to work in the end? But where is it going to lead? Is it going to lead to a good play? But then what am I going to do after that? 
resistance to a command of God, but effortless to the destruction and deceit of Satan. You identify more with him than you do the things of God. That can't be right. Quick the wrath. That means you identify more with him. Slow to anger means that you identify more to God. Your quick temper is a problem. Means you can hear Satan and go with him on anything and everything so easily. If it take a lot for me to calm you down, it can't be right. You rejecting what I'm giving you, the truth that you need to get you out of this funk you in. Mm-mm, nope. Mm-mm. Uh-uh, you don't even understand. Okay. You know what? You're going about your business. Just, just be a heathen. I don't know what to tell you. Naaman was a leper. It wasn't a war that the king of Syria wanted. When Elijah found out, oh, is the king upset because somebody needs to be healed? Just tell him to send the leper to me. So Elisha receives the, the leper. Now, this is not Elijah. This is the predecessor, Elisha. Okay, so this lets you know that one situation of the widow, she was in that situation because of how it affected a nation. Okay? Naaman is a leper, and it's just him. There are lepers in Israel. None of them were healed. But this non-Israelite that don't even live in Israel is getting ready to be healed. So uh, Elisha says, send the leper to me, king. Don't worry about it. It's not a war. God wants to do something. Naaman comes because he is a commander with a huge, you know, military procession and everything. Shows up to Elijah's little humble home. Elisha doesn't even come out. He sends his servant to go tell him, go wash in the Jordan. Naaman says, so you're not even going to talk to me? And he says, I thought that you would come out and wave your hands over me and speak some words to me. He said, but then you don't, you don't even come out. You send your servant, and then you go tell me to bathe in this river over here. The, I, know, I know plenty of lakes and rivers that's way cleaner and nicer than this. So he's offended. Again, he's mad at what God is doing. In the case with the leper, he has an opportunity to turn. But his opportunity is going to come by way of a servant. A servant of his has to come to him and reason. Now, commander, if God would have told you to do something difficult, something great, you would have done it. But because it's so simple, because it's so common, because it's just a part of your everyday situation. This just, it's not even, now you don't want to do it. But the same faith it would take for you to believe that God is going to do something because this thing is great and, 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 and hard is the same faith you have to believe that God is going to do it because of something so simple. Y'all don't want to help me today. You'd rather believe that if I just, if I just don't eat for two months. If I just do this hard thing, then I know God to do it. It could have been as simple as you go into the man of God and say, man of God, what do you think I should do? Well, I think you need to pray and just go ahead and wash yourself, wash your hands, you'd be good to go. That can't be right. That can't be right. Hello? 
That, that can't be right. No, 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 no. It's got to be something. See, you don't understand my whole situation. Let, let me go over it again. No, no, no. Let me, let me re-explain. Let me re-explain. My... See, the way I'm set up is like if I do nothing, then this situation, then they've done it. It's all like, you know, it's really, it's really more complicated. The same amount of faith to believe that you get the preferred outcome after doing something hard is the same amount of faith it takes to believe that you get a preferred outcome when it's simple. You prefer the hard because you have more control. You feel like this makes sense to you. This appeases your controlling spirit, how you reason things. And in some cases, now this is very funny, because you're in this situation because of the wrong you did, you feel like you got to do a great amount of sacrifice, greater than what's being requested, hello, in order to have the outcome that you wanted. Again, this is all just your own reasoning. This is all just you, just, now God already said what he wanted. No, 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 that's, that's, you don't really get, you don't really get it. You don't really get it. If you got it, then you recognize that, that that's not going to work here. I know y'all think this to God because you say it to me. But why don't we just go ahead and do this, that, and the other. Mm, I don't know, Pastor, because, like, the way my situation is set up, like, like my kids and my job and then my schedule. Well, why don't you just go ahead and do this right quick, do that? No, but my time. All right. So much. So the servant came and said, now come on, Commander. Don't be like that. It's something so simple. If you would have done something hard, then do something simple. So he had to humble himself to listen to the servant, something that the Jews in the synagogue of Nazareth could not do. Here's a servant. I'm here. Ain't you Joseph's son? Yes. Well, all right. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much. Let's make this party happen. No, that's not what they did. So, so Naaman went, of course, washed himself, cleansed himself. I love the story. All right. The story goes on, and, and, and he becomes, he, he's healed from leprosy, washes himself. He's immediately healed. Goes back to Elijah, says, I want to give you all this money, and thank you so much for everything. And Elijah, I don't want your money. No, no, let me give you money. I said I don't want your money. All right, that's something God is doing. So he says, all right, all right, well, at least let me do this. Can I take some dirt from this land and take it with me so I could worship your God in my land? Because your God is the most high God. This is, all, this is all the Lord wanted to do was to use somebody to see and to remind them that I am God at a time that Israel was rejecting the move of God. They had to fight against Baal, right? But their method to fight against Baal was to go more with Baal. They were on the precipice of change in that God wanted to deliver them completely from that spirit. Hello? Change could be so hard, especially when you try to do it your way. Now, aren't you the ones that started participating with the Baal people? Hello, the worshipers of Baal? And so you think by listening more to them is how you're going to get out of this? Mm 
No, what you need to do is listen to the man of God. I mean, all Ahab had to say was, there's no way it's going to be a famine until I say. Okay, well, what we need to do to make you say? Uh, Elijah, what's going on? What, what you need to say? What, what we need to do? What, what we need to do? Ain't no need to have no famine. Tell me, what do I need to do? No. He was going to kill Elijah, so Elijah had to run and hide himself. Again, people fighting against change when God is telling you, you need to change because you've been doing this wrong for too long. You'll fight against everybody that's proclaiming what has to happen for your change. This is how you need to live. This is what you need to do. Uh-uh, no, I ain't got to do it that way. I already know. I already got a method. I already got a system because I know me and I know my family. I know my family. I know my situation and my health. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but everything that you knew is what got you into this situation. <laughs> you ain't got but a couple of times to make me hit a wall before I stop listening to you. Go left. All right, for real, for real, go left. All right, for real this time, just go left. All right, I'm not listening to you. But y'all don't do that. Self tell you to go left. Self say left. I say, hey, why don't you try going right? Nah. I think right is where you need to go. Nah. I'm, I'm definitely sure right. Why does the Lord just keep using my life to beat me up? I don't think that's what he was trying to do not at all i don't i don't think that's what he's trying to do I, I think he's trying to teach you a new way to go he just won't go but over there it's gonna be so hard it's like boulders and stuff yeah but you ain't gonna hit your face against the wall tomato tomato you can't keep getting them concussions all right you can stub your toe a couple of times, but them cushions is getting fatal, all right? Where was I? So Naaman, he, he went, he was healed. In the story, um, Elisha's servant, Geza, I think, came running to get the money and uh, finagled the money out of it. You know, that's not a part of our story. What I want to fast forward to is how Naaman wanted the dirt to go worship his God. And this is how serious he was. He said, now, I want to take this dirt and I want to worship God, the one that's all-powerful, that I've come to see and to know through you. I'm going to build my own little altar with this dirt, my own little backyard, and I'm going to worship your God. I'm going to get to know him. He said, but I got a problem. See, my king depends on me. And there's going to be a point in time where he's going to be old, and he's going to lean on me to take him to the temple. And when I go into the temple of the false god, I, I, I want to be there for my king. But I don't want God to feel like I'm not loyal to him. <sighs> this is real stuff. Like, I want to be there for my king. But in my heart, I'm only worshiping God. Help me. Help me with this. True fact. Elisha says, go in peace. Now bear in mind, when King Ahab worshiped a whole false god, hello somebody, famine hit the land. 
when he tried to go back to old tactics in order to make his life more secure. Hello, somebody. When he tried to trust in old methods in order to secure his life, famine happened. When Naaman realized that you are the one true living God and humbly says, what do I do? Because I really want to be a good uh, servant to my king who did let me come here, sent letters from my own healing. But I know that your God is the chiefest God. How do I handle this? And you tell me, have peace. It would seem to me, you can't serve that God. Don't you go in that temple. Don't you dare go in that temple. You know the one true living God, the demon's going to get you. Nope. The heart of the individual has more to do with demonic activity than anything else. I wish more people would prophetically preach about the nature and the heart of individuals more than how spirits and demons operate. They have no effect when your heart is upright before the Father. Why am I fighting a demon when I need to make sure my heart with God is cool? Like we, I'm working on this in small ways, big ways, in every way. Challenges throughout my day. I can't do that. Oh, me and God, I'm trying to work on something, me and the Lord. I just want to make sure. That's my number one right here. My old church back in the day used to be so mad at me because they would like, we need to take on the spirit of warfare, Elder Durham. Take on that spirit, Shando, Shata. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like, um, you so resistant, Elder Durham. You so resistant to take on the spirit of warfare. I, I just don't know how, I just know how to worship. I, I don't know what y'all doing over there. I, okay, can you show it to me in the Bible? Can you show it to me in the Bible where we take on the spirit of warfare? If you show me one example, I'll I, I do it. I'll do it. I'll get in there with you. I'll, get, I'll take it on. Show me, show me, show me. We, you, it, it ain't say it like that with your analytical self, Elder Durham. You just need to know that it's time. The spirits of demons is out there, and we got to bind them and loose them. And, okay. And then they demoted me into the beginner's class. Because <laughs> she won't take on the spirit of warfare. And you can tell my pastor was disappointed. It's like she, 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 she could be so great in the spiritual realm. She sees and hears. She can do really great. She just won't do it. She just won't take on that spirit of warfare. I'm like, nah, last time y'all said, uh, Sister Stephanie, she, got, she went out in the spirit realm and got stuck. She got stuck for like eight hours. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Whatever y'all doing, I don't know if y'all really know what you're doing, so I'm not even. <laughs> she got stuck out there, couldn't come back. We was praying for eight hours trying to get Sister Stephanie back. She's trying to get her back from where? Now, June, she was a shadow kato out there. I was like, go on, friend. I ain't going over there. Mm-mm. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you. I don't quit worshiping. You need to get out there and fight. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. If we had to do a tally of wars fought and won, I think I might be on their heels of victories of, of giants. Is that to say that spiritual warfare does not work? But it is to say that I believe that there are things that are more expedient, that work even better, that produce even more fruit. Hello, somebody. The hundredfold versus the 60 and the 30. 
I don't knock it. I think it's very powerful. But I also think that you could have a greater harvest if you focus right here with you and God and right there on loving people and let all these demons do what they do because you are invincible with the spirit of God. Do you know how hard it is to go to somebody and be like, I love you very much. Um, but you got a bunch of demons on you. We need to bind them demons now in the name of Jesus. But, you know, I, I love you. You know, I love you, but, you know, every time, I, you know, but I, when I see you, I just see demons. What? 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 I see you. I see demons all around you. Yeah, but I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lift your hands. I'm going to pray for your demons all around you, Jesus. All right, now be free. 90% of the time, them people is leaving you going. Is the demons around me still? Every time they have a problem, it could be them demons around me. You have just sold fear. 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 Ambiguity. Confusion. Let me tell you what I do. Hey, baby. Oh, may the Lord bless you. Oh, God. Oh, he loves you so much. Oh, amen. No, no, I'm going to be praying for you on that. Yes, I am. I'm going to pray with you right now. Lord, bless her. Keep her. Restore her. Oh, touch her, God. Amen. Shia, <laughs> though, I ain't even around you. I'm at home. At home. Father, what do you see? I bind that in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, I give you glory, God, for her deliverance in the name of Jesus. Oh, I thank you. I already know what happened because we met. I already know what happened because we had an encounter. So I already know what you want to do, Father. I thank you for her healing. I thank you for her deliverance. I bind every demonic spirit that's trying to lie. Hello, somebody. I believe it to be true, Sister Danny. The Lord wants to bless you today. Amen. We're going to touch this hip. Come on and stand on up. Hallelujah. We talked about it this morning, or last night and this morning, so I just thank the Lord right now. I bind every demonic spirit. I cast you far from this body. Is it this hip? Do I got the right hip? Okay, good. I bind every spirit in the name of Jesus. I speak healing. I rebuke you now from this vessel, from this body, and I speak healing and restoration in the name of Jesus. Every nerve, every neuron in the name of Jesus, every vessel in the name of Jesus. I bind sciatic pain. I bind aching. I bind inflammation in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you and I loose now the spirit of God. Hallelujah. I render Satan's attacks powerless now in the name of Jesus. And I speak healing and restoration by the spirit of God. And every nerve ending in the name of Jesus. And every muscle and every tendon in the name of Jesus. We give you glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Sit on down. The Lord wanted to bless you, baby. He brought you to my mind this morning. We've been talking about you all week. I mean, I'll talk about all of y'all, but you know, certain people just, the Lord just put a spotlight on your head. Amen. I'm like, hmm, what's going on with such and such? And in my meditation, we just thinking about you. Amen. And so I'm, I'm glad that the Lord wants to do that for you and has done it. Amen. I look forward to your praise report. Amen. Every day you go without pain, I want you to, to testify. Amen. Let's count these days. Let's, let's count these days till we run out of counting. 
Amen. Did it hurt before you came into church today? How does it feel right now? Amen. <laughs> Let's keep checking on that. Amen. We're going to watch God do this. Amen. Amen. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. She said it feel real good. It hurt real bad. Now it feel real good. <laughs> that's just like my father. Amen. 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 But that's to me, that's how spiritual warfare is done. What I draw to your attention is the king, the king of, of Israel, was so off he didn't even recognize that anyone in his command, anyone in, of his constituents that can heal is in his command. Like, why are you worried? You're the king. See, this is why I believe in the Messiah, okay? You, you're the bad king, all right? Because the Messiah know that if there's anybody in my body, in my congregation that can do something, it belongs to me. What you need? Let me go get Elijah. Elijah, come on, heal this man. All right, be blessed. Goodbye. What do you think we're commanding? What do you think we're declaring? Over Danielle's hip, this is a demon. Doctors can't figure it out. Nobody else can figure it out. Hello? And she's willing to serve with the pain? Well, today's your day. Now you can serve without the pain. That's just the way it works. The pain was only there for the use of the Father. Not to torment you. Just for his use. It's not going to go until he says it's time. It's Satan's devices, but God going to use all of that. Hello, somebody. Now, don't it make more sense to trust a God that commands? King Ahab uh, over here, uh, not Ahab, the king of, uh, of Israel during Naaman's time, over here worried. What we going to do? We going to have to fight. No, you ain't got to fight. Just get the man of God. Only one leper was healed, and there are plenty of lepers in Israel, but none of the Israelite lepers were healed. What Christ was trying to show in using these two examples of the widow and the leper is how we disregard the common things that God wants to do. We look over stuff. Now, just hear me out. Now, true enough, I can have somebody that come in this door, and they need to get right with the Lord, and they got a bad arm. Right? But they, they're just now, you know, trying to get right with the Lord. So we can heal the arm. Whether you heal the arm or not, they still need to get right with the Lord. Right? But in order for God to really effectively use them, it's going to take a lot of stuff. How many years you been here? Take, takes, it takes process. Right? Then you have a person who's already on the front lines already being used, already serving God, and they in pain. Which one do you think takes priority? We still got to wait on your return. I mean, God going to heal you, but we not that hard pressed. But you knock out a Keisha or a Danielle or a Minmo, and some of your other ones, you done knocked out a very formidable force that keeps this thing moving. Yeah. Ain't nobody came to see you, Ricky Bobby. All right? Front line is different than back of the line. Yeah. Don't hate. Congratulate. Yeah. Front line is different. 
And you in the back of the line can't be on the front of the line, so you better encourage the people on the front of the line. Because they're keeping your non-front line self from getting hit. The reason you're not on the front line is because you can't take a hit. You cannot take a licking and keep ticking. Duh. So we got people that can take a hit that'll keep moving. Now, most of the time, they don't want to keep moving. But see, they listen to me. In both cases of the widow and the leper, they were obedient. (laughs) Even when they did not want to do it that way, they were obedient nonetheless. And they are legacies because of that. I'm not telling the people on the front line don't want to not do what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, they be like, well, can I change your mind? No. (sighs) Fine, I'll do it. (laughs) And they protect those who when they take a hit, still ain't going to listen to me. They protect you. Well, how do they protect me? You see how you in church right now? It's because of them. Not just me. Now, rather than getting upset with your competitive self, Why don't you be a better encouragement? Huh? Be a better support to the men and the women that serve consistently under great duress of life, of health, of family times. I want to go visit my family. Yeah, we all want to go visit our family. (laughs) 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 I want to take a break. Yeah, we all want to take a break. But that's strategic. And frontline people know that even breaks are strategic. Minister Monifa, you want to take a break? Press, I was thinking about taking a break. What you think? I said, go for it. Carry on. Do what you need to do. You got a lot to work on with your mama and everything. It ain't my mama. Shut up. It is. You don't know. <laughs> take a break. <laughs> I don't even listen to what you think. I don't even listen to that. I know. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm fine. Shh, 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 shh. Take a break. That's what frontline does. And the competitive nature is so distracting to the things of God. Minister Monifa tried to tell us, it's too much competition that you end up eating, eating away at each other. The whole body of Christ functions because we all submit one to another. This is your strong area, this is my strong area. That's your strong area, this is my strong area. You do you, I do me. Okay, you on top today, you go for it. All right, now it's my turn, okay, I'm up. Okay, now you go. Okay, now me. Okay, now you. Okay, now me. Okay, now you go, 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 you got that. Okay, okay now me, all right. <laughs> That's how it's supposed to work. First, if you're going to be there, no way I'm going to be. What's it going to say about me? What? It don't say nothing. It's just, it's, it's, we all are different. And we'll have more fun if you weren't so competitive, so power hungry, so insecure. We'd have more fun. Do you understand? I have to submit to people all the time. Sister Lakeisha came and she said, Pastor, you got your, your pastor's notes? I said, I did. And I wrote them down in my office and then I left them in the office. <laughs> she said, okay, I got your list for you. I said, oh, this is why I love you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, go get my list. I don't want your list. No, I'll take your list. Thank you. Yeah, you got some stuff in here. I, ain't, I forgot to have. That's good. That's a good list right there. <laughs> I ain't had it. That's good. Girl, you good, girl. <laughs> I ain't going to listen to the servants. You better. Because disregard the common, 
disqualifies you from the miraculous. You're going to let being angry at what God is doing disqualify you from being a part of the next era, the next epoch. Jesus was trying to tell them the beginning of his ministry. They were the first place he went, home. Somebody said, Pastor, why are you doing the Friday dinners? I said, because I like to, before I go back online, I like to serve home first. It's always been that way. We do a devotion with y'all first. Just home first. Serve home first. If home don't want it, we go out there. If not a problem. But home first. Right? Then we go cast our nets. We bring in more fish. Then we come back to the sheep. All the fish are now sheep. Deal with the sheep. <laughs> then cast your nets. Get the fish. Bring them in sheep. Now you sheep. And do you sheep. And you just keep doing the same Persistent every morning, every afternoon, every evening. It's the same. Most people cannot pastor because they cannot handle repetition of the common things. This church has grown only because of a persistent repetition and a spirit of excellence in the most basic things. You want to ignore the simple things. I came in the other day with the facilities department for their meeting, and I, I was like, so this is messed up, that's messed up. I was just overwhelmed by how many things were messed up. And I went home grieved and I had to call the good doctor. And I had to call him and say, I don't understand why nobody wants to take care of the things until I say something. Like, what happened to just going through your church and be like, we need to fix that? And the people that should be able to do it are the people that can fix it. How the people that can't fix it got to be the ones to notice it. Y'all don't, don't hear me. How is it that the people that can't fix it can notice exactly what needs to be fixed and the people that can fix it don't? If I can solve a problem, I tend to notice that problem. That means there's some hiccup here because you know how to solve it, but you don't even see it. So what got in the way? How do you see a need, right? It's in front of you. You know how to fix it, and you don't even register it. You have to be distracted by something else. You have to be. You got to be. Because if it's something that I'm pretty good at doing, I'm going to notice it before anybody else. Right? Small things that you could do on just basic, trying to be excellent, and what areas you have. I'm just trying to do it well. I'm just trying to do it very well. That people feel that as love, as acceptance. And while I'm not creating a whole move of American and Christianity and the entire body of Christ is moving in this prophetic direction, no. I'm just a humble servant, one life at a time, one task at a time. That is the plan. It's a small mustard seed. It's a tiny little bush. Hello, somebody. It's these tiny things that he uses that encourage you at a place of your innermost being. Something that other things can't touch. Because that, that's intangible. The joy you get, is that you can't put your hand on it. Somebody, um, <laughs> uh, Sister Annette came by and they were, Sister Janai was giving her the realtor tour. 
And um, she was showing her the painting that uh, some of you guys got me for Christmas or birf my birthday. And um, I was saying, and I said, my baby's got that for me. And, and, it's, and somebody noted, every time somebody mentions that painting, that's all Pastor could say is, my baby's got that for me. But it's the truth that these things that seem so inconsequential to anybody else, I've bought pictures before. I've done work at my house before. Do you know what I mean? I've cooked dinner before. But when somebody does it with love, something that you could do, and they do it, you be like, that just. The fact that you're doing something that I could do so I don't have to do it, reads so much more than you doing what I can't do. If you do what I can't do, duh. <laughs> but I'll do something that I know you can do. You're going to do that for me. Every time. My baby's bought me that. They didn't even have to do that. Look at that. They, they bought me that. That's so nice. Then my baby's laid them stone. Look at that. Look at that. I tried to do it. Me and Tori, but just by ourselves. It was terrible. But, it, but, but these is good. <laughs> now, me nor Terry was, Tori was present, and they looked great. <laughs> All right, standing all over the house. 